All right, well, we're there in Proverbs chapter number 23, and uh, we've been going through a series since the beginning of the year. We've been going through this series called Peculiar People, and we've been learning about how God desires to have a people that are peculiar, that are set apart, that are different, that are holy, and we've been going through and learning different things. We learned about uh, really the doctrine of separation, and we've been, uh, over the last several weeks, specifically talking about areas where God desires for us to be peculiar. We've talked about peculiar in our clothing and peculiar in our relationships, peculiar in our music. And this morning, we're going to continue on. And uh, this morning, we're going to learn about something that you're probably not going to hear in most churches. And that is a sad statement. And it's because of the fact that today, unfortunately, most churches are not boldly proclaiming God's Word. They are not biblically preaching the whole counsel of God. But this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject of uh, some peculiar teachings on alcohol, peculiar teachings on alcohol and what the Bible teaches about alcohol. And the reason it's peculiar is because if you've never heard, if you've never actually went through Scripture and studied out what the Bible teaches about alcohol, it might be peculiar to you because you might be surprised what the Bible has to say about alcohol. Because today, most of the beliefs of Christianity on alcohol are inaccurate, if, if not just completely wrong and completely uh, misunderstood. Now, we're going to learn about what the Bible teaches about alcohol, but before we get into that, let me just say this. The lesson, uh, the, the Word of God deals a lot with the subject of, of alcohol. We're going to look at that, but I want you to understand that this applies to drugs. It applies to uh, prescription drugs or the abuse of prescription drugs. I realize that uh, there may be a a a legitimate reason to be on a prescription drug, but unfortunately today many people will abuse prescription drugs, of course, street drugs, things like that. Basically anything that keeps you from being sober, anything that would would keep you from from maintaining uh, sobriety would apply in uh, this morning's sermon, but we're going to talk about specifically about alcohol, and, but I, I, as we look at scriptures, that's what we'll be seeing, but I want you to understand that it applies to all of those things. And let's begin this morning, if you'd like to write down some statements, let's begin with the problem with drugs and alcohol. What is the problem with drugs and alcohol? Now, we're there in Proverbs 23 and verse number 29, and you know, let me say this, the, this sermon is needed for every single person in this room, uh, but especially young people. If you're a young person here, you're a teenager, and uh, this, you need to listen up, all right? Because this sermon and the application to this sermon might save you years and years and years and decades of just heartache and problems and issues in life. So let's begin with the problem with drugs and alcohol. And if you're there in Proverbs 23, like you notice, first of all, that drugs and alcohol are addictive. And I think we all know that, but I want you to notice that the Bible highlights that as well. Proverbs 23 and verse 29 says this, who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babblings, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes, verse number 30, notice what it says, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Here we're told that there are some people that tarry long at the wine that have made it their purpose in life to go out and to seek mixed wine. Now, why is that? Because of the fact that alcohol and drugs are addictive. They cause people to tarry along. They cause people to not be able to give them up. Now, you're there in Proverbs 23. We're going to go through this whole passage this morning, but I want you to skip down to verse number uh, 35. Notice what it says. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. Notice what he says. 
When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Again, God is highlighting the fact that alcohol is addictive. The fact that here this individual would say, hey, you know, I, I, I was tearing long at the wine. I was seeking mixed wine. They have stricken me. Uh, they have beaten me. Uh, I, I had all these uh, experiences with it. But you know what? When I awake, when I wake up, I'm going to seek it yet again. And when somebody gets up in the morning, wakes up in the morning, and they go and drink alcohol, or they go and do drugs, you, the only explanation for that is that they are addicted to the substance. They are addicted to the drugs and to the alcohol. Now, keep your place there in Proverbs, because we're going to uh, be coming back here throughout the sermon. But go with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 5. If you're in Proverbs, you're going to go past Ecclesiastes, past Song of Solomon, into the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5. And when you get to Isaiah, do me a favor and put a ribbon or a bookmark or something in Isaiah because we're going to be going back and forth between Proverbs and Isaiah. We're going to hit other passages, but we'll primarily be in Proverbs and Isaiah. So I'd like you to be able to get there quickly. Isaiah chapter 5, look at verse 11. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 11. I want you to know this, that... What the Bible teaches about alcohol is completely different to the way the world thinks of alcohol and drugs and, and those things. Isaiah chapter 5 and, and verse 11, the Bible says, woe. Now, whenever you see that word woe, W-O-E in the Bible, know this, that woe is the strongest sort of caution, the strongest sort of warning that you see in Scripture. Whenever you see the word woe, it is a serious thing. God is trying to get the attention of his people. He says, woe unto them that, notice these words, rise up early in the morning that they may follow strong drink, that continue until night till wine inflame them. What do we see here? We see someone who's just drunk all day. I mean, they get up in the morning, they're drinking, they're drinking all afternoon. They continue until night till wine inflame them. What is it that God is teaching us here? God is teaching us that Alcohol has an addictive effect, and drugs as well, and prescription drugs, where people will literally spend all day, from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed, consuming it, seeking after it, trying to get more and more of it. Now, keep your finger there in, in, in Isaiah. We're coming back to it, but go back to Proverbs 23. Let's, we're, we're talking about the problems with alcohol. The major problem with alcohol is that it is addictive, and it will take control and consume your entire life. You will consume it, but it will consume you. You will take it in, but it will take you in as well. And in fact, you know what? Let me just do this real quickly. We're, we're going back to Proverbs, but go with me real quickly to the, the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And let me just say this while we're talking about the subject. The Bible talks a lot about alcohol and, and how we should deal with alcohol, and we're going to go through that in Scripture this morning and really uh, take the time to develop that. But let me just say this. The Bible does teach in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that when someone is a drunk, that when someone is a drunkard, and those are biblical words for what today our world would call an alcoholic, the Bible actually teaches that those people are to be removed and thrown out of church. Are you there in 1 Corinthians chapter 5? You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to notice verse number 10. Well, actually, notice verse 9. Notice what he says. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. He says, look, you are not to 
hang around with. You are not to spend time with. You are not to be around with fornicators. A fornicator is someone who is in a physical relationship outside of marriage. Notice verse 10. He says, Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye have needs go out of the world. He's saying, look, I'm not saying that if there's a fornicator at your work, you can't be around them. He's like, we realize that in the world, you're going to have fornicators, you're going to have covetous people, you're going to have extortioners, you're going to have idolaters. He said, I'm not telling you to become Amish and come out of the world. And that's what we've been learning in this series, that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We're not to come out of the world, but church is different. Notice what he says in verse 11. He says, but now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother. I want you to notice the the caveat there. He said, we're not talking about worldly people. We're talking about a man who is called a brother, an individual who has a testimony of salvation, someone who is seen as a believer. They're called a brother in Christ. They're called a sister in Christ. Notice what it says. If any man that is called a brother... B, and then he gives us this list, a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such an one, no, not to eat. He says, look, these people should not be allowed in church. You say, well, don't these people need help? Yeah, but you know what? Some of the biggest wake-up calls that people have in life is when their pastor goes to them and says, you are living in fornication, you need to get right with God, or you need to get out. You know, when someone comes to you and says, and I want you to notice there that one of the things that will get you kicked out of church is being a drunkard. Now, look, as a church and as a ministry, we, we want to help people and we want to spiritually help people who are struggling. And if you're struggling with drugs or you're struggling with alcohol or you're struggling with pornography or you're struggling with whatever, we want to help you. We want to uh, come alongside you and counsel you and try to help you get victory in, that, in your life. But if you're just living in, in drunkenness and you're, you're not trying to get right, you don't really care, it doesn't really matter to you, we're going to throw you out. Now, if you come here and you say, I'm struggling with alcohol, can I get some help? Hey, we're going to help you out. We're going to try to help you and try to help you get sober, try to get, uh, get your life cleaned up. But this is talking about people who are just living in fornication and they just don't care. They're being idolaters and they just don't care who knows, don't care, uh, not trying to get right with God. And I want you to notice there that it says that they are a drunkard. Now, as a pastor, the Bible gives me this list and he says, look, if people are fornicators, covetous, idolaters, raiders, drunkards, extortioners, you can't have those people in church. He says, with such an one, no not to eat. We cannot have coffee and donuts with them. We cannot company with them. We cannot keep company. As a pastor, what I've had to do is, in some ways, I've had to quantify these things. Okay, what does it mean to be covetous? What does it mean to be a railer? And the Bible gives us these, these, these answers. But since we're preaching about alcohol, let me go ahead and just give you our definition here at Verity Baptist Church. Because people have asked me, okay, do you, you, know, do you believe in drinking alcohol? And let me just go ahead and, and spoiler alert for the sermon. And I'm going to prove this to you from the Bible. But we believe at Verity Baptist Church that God forbids and prohibits all drinking of alcohol for everyone. And if you've never, you say, I've never heard that before. I always went to church and they told me that uh, drinking alcohol was fine as long as it was total or whatever. I'm going to prove to you from the Bible that that is not what the Bible teaches. However, we don't throw people out of church for drinking alcohol. Because of the fact that God, we only throw people out of church for what God tells us to throw people out of church. We don't throw people out of church for being liars. You're all liars. We'd, throw, we'd, we'd all get thrown out, right? We, don't, we, don't, we only throw people out of church 
for the things that God tells us. One of those is being a drunkard. Now, there is a difference between being a drunk and being someone who drinks socially. I believe all drinking is a sin. I'm going to prove that to you from the Bible. But there is a difference. Let me say this, though. Every drunkard started as a social drinker. So that ought to just give you, you know, you, you say, well, I only drink socially. Okay, so you just started the process of going down the road of becoming a drunkard. But you say, well, how do you identify a drunkard? How do you identify someone who is a drunkard? And this is what, uh, over the last eight-plus years of ministry, I've had to deal with this in, in, in people's lives and whatever. And this is what I have determined as the way that we determine if someone is a drunkard, if someone is a drunk, uh, and, and we'll throw you out of church for this. Number one, you say, well, what does it mean to be a drunkard? Number one, you are a drunkard, as we've already seen in Scripture, if you wake up in the morning and drink alcohol. I mean, if you're just opening up a can of beer for breakfast, you're a drunk. You're a drunkard. You need to understand that. You need to acknowledge that. You need to, to, to own that and take ownership of that and realize, hey, I've got a problem. It's not normal to just be drunk all day long. It's not normal to just wake up and be drinking or be shooting up or be taking drugs or be taking pills and popping pills. It's not normal. So look, if you say, how do I know if I'm a drunkard? If you wake up in the morning and you're drinking alcohol, you're a drunkard. That's what the Bible says. Here's the second way we've determined if someone is a drunkard. Is it if, if it affects your, your life, you're a drunkard. If, you're, if your wife is divorcing you because of your drinking problem, you're a drunkard. If your job is firing you because of your drinking problem, you're a drunkard. If, 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 if you've got legal issues and you've got a DUI, you're a drunkard. If it's affecting your personal life, your kids want nothing to do with you because of your drinking problem, you are a drunkard. So you say, I, I'm just trying to help you because sometimes people, they don't even know they've got a problem. You know, do I have a problem with drinking? You are a drunk if you get up in the morning and drink alcohol. And if you're just drinking alcohol or doing drugs all day long, you are a drug addict, you are a drunkard. If it affects your, soul, your personal life, your relationship with your loved ones, your relationships at work, your relationship with government and the law, you're getting DUIs, you're having problems, then you are a drunkard. But here's the third way for you to understand or to, for you to perceive whether you are a drunkard. If anyone, please listen to me, because people who have problems with drugs and alcohol, they struggle with this. And I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just trying to help you out. If anyone has ever came to you, someone that you love, someone that loves you, has came to you and they've told you they are concerned about your drinking, you are a drunkard. Because here's what I know. A wife or a daughter or a son or a friend does not just flippantly walk up to someone, sit them down, and say, I'm concerned with you, and I'm concerned with your problem with drugs or with your problem with alcohol. Here's what I know. If someone has ever came to you and said, I'm concerned with your drinking problem, that conversation started in their minds weeks ago and months ago. They've been trying to build up the courage. They've been trying to build up the strength. They've been trying to build up the boldness to be able to come to you and confront you. And if they did that and you just say, ah, I don't have a problem. No, you have, you have a problem. You've got a problem. Because here's what I know. Your niece and your nephew, your cousin, your aunt, your mom or your dad, your co-worker, your best friend, your wife, your, your friends, they are not just trying to just have this, you know, let's just have an intervention this week. I mean, that, doesn't that sound like fun? 
Let's just sit down so-and-so and say, hey, you've got a problem with drugs. Hey, you've got a problem with pornography. Hey, you've got a problem with... They're not, people don't just want to do that for fun. If they're doing that, they're doing that because they love you. And you've got a problem. You say, how do I know if I'm a drunkard? Has anybody ever told you you got a drinking problem? You're a drunkard. You had problems at work because of your drinking? You're a drunkard. You've, you've had issues in your relationships? Wife, husband, children? You're a drunkard. You get up in the morning and you drink? You're a drunkard. You drink all day long, you're a drunkard. This is what, how we've determined you know, what the Bible says. And look, these things, and, and if you're a drunkard, I'm not here to beat on you. I want to help you. I want to love you. I want to help you get victory in that life. But if you're just going to live in drunkenness and not care and not try to get any help, then you're just not going to do that here. Because the Bible says that we are not to keep company with the people that do these things. Go, go back to Proverbs 23. So we've saw, we're talking about the problems with alcohol. What are the problems? Well, number one, it's addictive. But here's the second problem with drugs and alcohol is that it clouds your judgment. Notice Proverbs 23 and verse 31. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, it singeth like an adder. We'll come back to those verses in a minute. Notice verse 33. Thine eyes, he's talking about when you give yourself over to alcohol, thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. The Bible teaches, and if you haven't lived long enough to just see it play out in people's lives, people will do things that they would never do. They'll make decisions that they would have never made. They'll, they'll do things in their lives that will affect their lives for the rest of their lives when they are under the influence of drugs and alcohol. That's why, that's why it's called being under the influence. Why? Because it clouds your judgment. It influences you to do things that you would not normally do. And here we're told, thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Men have committed adultery. Why? Because they were drinking. Something they, they wouldn't have done. But they were under the influence. They've made decisions. They've done things. It has clouded their judgment. Go to Isaiah. Go back to Isaiah. Keep your place in Proverbs. We're going to come back to it. Go to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. You might be here this morning and say, good night. I showed up to church on a Sunday morning. I didn't. I thought we were going to talk. Yeah, I wanted to hear a sermon about love. You know what? That, that there is not a more loving sermon than the sermon I'm preaching right now. I, I, to, to try to help people either get victory in this area or just keep people from going down this road, this is love. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You know, the word, this is the truth of God's word. This is, and we want to preach it in the spirit of love, and we understand that. But look, you need to understand that there are some major problems with drugs and alcohol. Number one, it is addictive. Number two, it clouds your judgment. Are you there in Isaiah 5? Look at verse 22. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 22. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine. Isn't this what the world highlights, especially around men? Oh, I'm a, I can hold down my alcohol. I, you know, he can drink like nobody. No, you know, all that means is you're a drunk. It doesn't mean, the, the fact that you need more alcohol to get drunk just shows that your body has gone accustomed to it. All you're proving to us is you're a drunkard. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink. Verse 23, notice what they do when they get their alcohol, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. What is it talking about? It's talking about the fact that it clouds their judgment. 
doesn't allow them to make good decisions. They justify the wicked. They take away the righteous. It, it, it influences them in a negative way. Go to Isaiah 28. You're there in Isaiah 5? Go to Isaiah 28, verse number 7. Isaiah 28 and verse 7. Notice what the Bible says. Isaiah 28, 7 says this, But they also, notice, have erred through wine. They made errors through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. So, they made errors through wine, through strong drink, they are out of the way. Notice, the priest and the prophet, now we're talking about spiritual leaders. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Why? Because this is what the Bible teaches about alcohol. It is addictive and it will cloud your judgment. It'll cause you to err. It'll cause you to be taken out of the way. It'll cause you to stumble in judgment. It'll cause you to err in vision. It'll cause you to not be able to think straight. There's a third problem with alcohol. Keep your place there in Isaiah, but go back to Proverbs 23. The first problem is the fact that it's addictive. The second problem is the fact that it clouds your judgment. The third problem is this, that drugs and alcohol make you vulnerable for victimization. And if you are a young lady, you need to be listening to me right now. Proverbs 23 and verse 34 says this, Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of the mast. Verse 35, They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Here the Bible tells you that it puts you in a place physically where someone can beat you, and you don't even feel it while you're drunk. You'll feel it later. They can, they, they, they'll, they'll strike you. They'll take advantage. It'll put you in a position where you're vulnerable, where you're not able to care for yourself, where you can be hurt. Go to Habakkuk chapter number 2. Now, if you start at the end of the Old Testament and you head backwards, so you start with the book of Malachi, you're going to go past Zechariah, past Haggai, past Zephaniah, into Habakkuk. Right after Malachi, you've got those Z-H-C-H books. You've got Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. So get through those Z-H-C into Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2, and look at verse number 15. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 15. I want you to notice what the Bible says here. And you know, I said, if you're a young lady, listen up, because of the fact that it is often young ladies who are being taken advantage and that's often what we hear. But you know what? It's not just young ladies. Young men, you need to listen up too. It's interesting what we are told here in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 15. The Bible says this, and here's what we're saying. People get you drunk to take advantage of you. People get you drugged up to take advantage of you. Woe unto him, Habakkuk 2.15. Woe unto him. I want you to notice the pronouns here. Woe unto him. That's a male. That giveth his, that's a male, neighbor to drink. So who are we talking about? We're talking about the first male in this, cha- in this, in this uh, verse. He's the one being warned. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor to drink. So we've got male number one giving his neighbor to drink. So he's giving drink to male number two. That puttest thy bottle to him. So male number one is getting his neighbor drunk. He's putting his bottle to his neighbor, 
and maketh him, talking about his neighbor, drunken also. I want you to notice, it's one male making another male drunk. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to him. The neighbor is a male, and maketh him drunken also. Notice, they're both drunk. Why? Here's what it says, that thou, male number one, mayest look on their, male number two, nakedness. He's saying, look, sometimes people will put a bottle, give you a bottle, and they'll give you to drink because they're trying to get you drunk because they're trying to take advantage of you. And it might be a sodomite trying to rape you, man. It might be a homo trying to get advantage of you. So you know what? You say, what's the problem with drugs and alcohol? Here's the problem. It makes you vulnerable for victimization. Go to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19, first book in the Bible, should be fairly easy to find. Here's here's an odd story that highlights this very well. Genesis chapter 19, verse 32. Usually when we go to Genesis 19, we're talking about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, which is a terrible story and all that. But at the end of the chapter, remember when Lot comes out of Sodom, when God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah and the, and the cities of the plain there, Lot goes up and, and he's hiding in a cave. Genesis 19.32 says this, Come, let us, this is Lot and his two daughters, it's the two daughters speaking to each other, because they're up in this cave and they think, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plain. They think God destroyed the entire world. They think they're the last people on earth hiding in this cave. This is what these girls think. So this is what they say in verse 32. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn, we're talking about incest here, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. But notice the effects of alcohol. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesterday night with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And, you know, the, the world wants to tell you, like, oh, we're just having fun drinking alcohol. Why would, you, why would it be fun to get yourself into a state where you can't even perceive when someone's taking advantage of you physically? Oh, we had a lot of fun. I can't remember any of it, but it was a lot of fun. Really? That doesn't sound like fun to me. You remember waking up with your face in the toilet, but you must have had a good time. No, you know what? You can have a good time just being godly and and doing what God has called you to do and living righteously. Not having to live a dirty and disgusting life, living your life as a drunkard. And here, the Bible says they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose, verse 36, thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. Go go back to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 20. You say, what's the problem with with alcohol? Well, it's addictive. What's the problem with alcohol? It clouds your judgment. It's going to make you err in vision. It's going to make you, uh, it's going to give you trouble in judgment. Your eyes will will behold strange women. You're going to do things that you normally wouldn't do. But here's the other problem with alcohol is the fact that it will make you vulnerable for victimization. This is why the Bible says Proverbs chapter 20. Go to Proverbs chapter 20. Look at verse 1. 
We've been in Proverbs 23. We're going to go back to Proverbs 23, but go to Proverbs 20. Look at verse 4. This is what the Bible says. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Proverbs is the wisdom book. Proverbs is the book in the Bible where God gives us instructions for us to be able to have wisdom. And here's what God says. If you are deceived by wine, you're not wise. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is right. It's not bud wiser. It's bud foolishness. It's bud destructiveness. It's bud, it'll ruin your life. That's what it is. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Go back to Proverbs 23. So we've been talking about the problem with drugs and alcohol. What are the problems? It's addictive. It'll cloud your judgment. It'll, it'll uh, uh, make you vulnerable for victimization. But now let's talk about the product of drugs and alcohol. What will drugs and alcohol produce in your life? And you know, if you look at what the world tries to make you believe about drugs and alcohol, and I'm not saying you should look at what the world says. In fact, as a Christian, I don't think you should look at what the world teaches about this. But, if, but obviously, some of you have, many of you have. If you think about the way that the world portrays alcohol, I mean, think about the ads on TV. Th- th- think about the, the, uh, the, 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 what are those things called off the highway? Good night. Billboards. The billboards that are advertising uh, uh, alcohol. You know how the world portrays drugs and alcohol? The world wants you to believe that every drunkard out there is just this fit young, successful, just having fun all day long. I mean, if you, if you went off of what the world teaches about alcohol, you know what you'd think? You'd think, man, every drunkard out there, I mean, every guy just has a six-pack. I mean, let me clue you on a, on a, on a little secret. You're not going to have a six-pack drinking alcohol. You know, I mean, when was the last time there was a billboard and there was some old guy living by himself because his wife left him, his kids hate him, with a beer gut, drinking at 9 in the morning. When's the last time they showed you that? Because what do they show you? They show you young people just boozing it up on the beach, at the river, naked, having fun. Man, it's great. We're successful. We're fit. It's fun. That's what the world portrays. But you know that's not the truth. I mean, what is the true result of drugs and alcohol in people's lives. Well, you're there in Proverbs. Go look at Proverbs 23, verse 29. Proverbs 23, verse 29. Who hath woe? You want woe in your life? This is what drugs and alcohol produce. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contention? Who hath babblings? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? This is what the Bible is telling us. You want to know what alcohol produces? It produces these things. They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. You say, why? Verse 32. At the last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. This is what alcohol will produce in your life. Go to Isaiah 28. Let's look at it. You say, I don't think we, I don't want you talking to my kids about drugs and alcohol. You know what? We need to just, it's fine to uh, talk to our kids about drugs and alcohol. Let's just give them a proper view of it. 
Let's not allow the world and Hollywood and the media to give them their perception of drugs and alcohol. Let's show them the actual result of drugs and alcohol. Isaiah 28, verse 7. But they also have erred through wine. We just saw that. And through strong drink are they out of the way. The priests and the prophets have erred through strong drink. They're swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. Verse 8. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. This is what alcohol produces. Kids, are you listening? It's not fit, successful young people partying at the beach. All tables are full of vomit and filthiness so that there is no place clean. You say, oh man, I'm a young person. I can't wait till I turn 21 so I can go to the bar. Let me tell you what the bar's like. I've never been in a bar. I don't need to know what a bar's like, but I know from the word of God what a bar's like. It's vomit. It smells like piss. It smells like trash. Why? Because this is what alcohol does in your life. I I, want to know what alcohol produces. Okay, go outside and look at the homeless people out there. That's what it produces. I I wonder what drugs produces in your life. Go look at the homeless people out there. You want to live like that? You want to look like that? You want to smell like that? You want to act like that? Well, I think you should be loving. Look, I'm not saying we shouldn't try to help people get off of drugs and alcohol and get them safe. I'm just telling you this. That's what the world, the world wants to hide that. The world, their little Super Bowl ads want to tell you that it's fun, it's great, it's, it's wonderful. What they don't show you is that they've got tables full of filthiness and vomit. There is no place clean. Go to Isaiah 19, look at verse 14. Isaiah 19, verses 14. Isaiah 19, 14. Isaiah 19 and verse 14 says this. The Lord hath mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof, and they have caused Egypt to err in every work. Therefore, notice, as a drunken man staggereth in his vomit. This is how God portrays drunkenness. This is how God portrays alcohol. Listen, kids, listen to me. Just please listen to me. You know, I, I, I thank the Lord for my mom and dad. My parents, you know, and you know, my mom was raised in a Christian home. My dad was saved at an older age, so he's got a testimony, and I won't tell you his testimony. You can ask him if you'd like, if he wants to tell you. But, you know, I was raised in a Christian home where this is the type of preaching I heard growing up. This is the type of message that was, that was talked about in our home. Drugs will destroy your life. Alcohol will destroy your life. This is what the, this will do. You know, I, 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 and, and I don't, I, I'm not trying to make my parents feel uncomfortable. I, I, I'm so... Uh, proud of my parents. They just recently celebrated 40 years of marriage. You know, they, they went on this trip to Australia. Uh, all the kids, we, we kind of all pitched in and we, we got them an anniversary gift to Australia. We got some friends in Australia that they hadn't seen for a while and we, uh, uh, got, as their anniversary gift, we, we, we got them this, this trip to Australia. And I was thinking to myself, you know, this is how I'd like to end my life. I'd like to be one day, you know, married to my beautiful wife for 40 years having children that are not, not perfect, but serving the Lord and loving the Lord and, and, and with grandchildren and, and just, just finishing up your life and living your life, just seeing the legacy and seeing the thing. You know how I don't want to end up my life? I don't want to end up my life in my own vomit, divorced. My kids hate me. My kids won't talk to me. People, can't, you know, just having DUIs. I'm telling you, your life is a result of the choices that you make. 
And I'm not trying to beat up on you. If you've, had, if you've struggled with drugs and alcohol, look, I love you. I'm trying to help you. But I'm also trying to keep some of these kids from ruining their lives. Because this is what drugs does. This is what alcohol does. This is what these things will do in your life. You say, I'm curious to know. Here's all you need to know. They are full of vomit and filthiness with no place clean. A drunken man staggered in his own vomit. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what the billboard says. Doesn't matter what the advertisements say. Doesn't matter what the world tries to tell you. And it doesn't matter what your friend is trying to get you drunk. Look, if your friend's trying to get you drunk, you gotta be asking yourself, what are you trying to do to me? Habakkuk chapter 2 talks about his neighbor giving his, you know, his friend a drink. This is, look, we're talking about the product of drugs and alcohol. And here's what you need to understand this is the truth right here. The word of God gives you say, are you sheltering your kids? From, from No, you know what? I'm not sheltering my kids because when I take my kids out soul winning with me and we go out knocking doors on the get, in the ghetto and people open up the door and we're just like, oh, good night. It just smells like piss and vomit. And some loser comes out like, I can't talk. I, just, I've been dr- I was drunk all last night. My kids get to see a, the reality of drugs and alcohol and what it actually produces in the lives of people. And we want to help people and we want to love people. But we're not going to sugarcoat for you what the Bible teaches about drugs and alcohol. The product is not pretty. The product is not fit. It's not fruitful. It's not fun. It's not successful. It's vomit. It's piss. It's drunkenness. It's dirty. It's no place clean. This is what the Bible says. Go, go, to, go back to Proverbs 23. We talked about the problem with drugs and alcohol. And we talked about the product of drugs and alcohol. But let's talk about the prohibition on drugs and alcohol. Because the Bible actually prohibits the drinking of alcohol. And this is where we, as fundamental Baptists, I mean, we, we, we got way away from, I mean, you're not going to hear this type of preaching at the casino-feeling rock concert. Guy gets up in skinny jeans and a little sits on a stool. You're not going to hear any of this. But this is where we really just leave the liberal churches. Because today, liberal churches will teach that it's okay to drink in moderation. I mean, the vast majority of liberal churches today will teach it's fine to drink in moderation. I'm here to tell you that is not what the Bible teaches. I'm going to prove it to you. But let me just give you some anecdotal evidence. You ever heard of the prohibition period in the United States of America? Do you know that there was a time in the United States of America when they actually made it illegal to, to create alcohol, to drink alcohol? It was illegal for a time. And because of that, you got all the, you know, that's where all the, the uh, organized crime started bootlegging and all that. And, and let me say this. I, I'm not saying that, that it, it should be illegal because here's the thing. God had a lot of laws in his Old, in his old Testament uh, society, and, and a law against alcohol wasn't one of them. There are some things that God, there are some sins that God makes illegal, like murder, all right? But there's other things that God says, it's a sin, I'm not going to make it illegal, but just know it's a sin, it's going to destroy your life. And I, I believe that's where drugs and alcohol comes in. So I'm not saying that we should go back to the prohibition. I don't necessarily think that that's what God desires. All I'm, I'm just bringing that up to say this. The prohibition period in the United States of America came about because of some preachers who were preaching what the Bible actually teaches about drugs and alcohol that you shouldn't have anything to do with it. 
And they actually were so effective at it that they caught, they got the entire nation and Congress to actually make a law against it. So if, so if you leave here and say, well, you're the only pastor who believes that. No, I, maybe I'm the only pastor now who believes it. And I'm not the only pastor, obviously. You know, there's not that many pastors that are preaching like you. Yeah, because the world is waxing worse and worse and people are getting more liberal. But here's all I'm telling you. There was a time in this country when every preacher believed this. When every preacher believed that God prohibits the drinking of alcohol, period. Now, let me just prove that to you from the Word of God. Are you there in Proverbs 23? Look at verse 31. Let's talk about the prohibition of drugs and alcohol. And there's two stages to this as far as how I'm going to teach it to you. The first one is this. I'm just going to show you, you that God forbids drugs and alcohol for all people, for everyone. Proverbs 23, 31. Look what he says. Look not thou upon the wine. Here he's saying there is some wine that I don't want you to even look at. I don't want you to have anything to do with it. He said, look not thou upon the wine. Now, I want you to notice this word, when. When he says when, he's telling us there is a point in the life of wine when I don't want you to even look at it. And here's what we learn from this. There are two, and you might never heard this before, there are actually two different types of wine in the Scripture, or two stages to wine in Scripture. One is prohibited. Look not thou upon the wine. Okay, when? When it is red. When it giveth its color in the cup. When it moveth itself aright. This is talking about fermentation and the process of fermentation. When it is red. Why, why does it say that? Here's why. Because the way that, that wine is fermented, that alcohol is created, is with yeast. And the yeast which ferments the wine is found on the skin of the grapes, which is why he's making a reference here. He said, when it is red. Then he says, when it giveth his color in the cup. Again, the source of the yeast is that red skin. Then he says this, when it moves itself aright, referring to the carbon dioxides that are released during fermentation. He's saying there is a time in the life of wine when God says, I don't want you even looking at it. Say, when is that? When it's fermented. Look not thou upon the wine. Any wine? No, no, no. When it is red. When it giveth its color in the cup. When it moveth itself aright. So God says, look, don't have anything to do with alcohol once it is fermented. Now people will, will say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. Didn't Jesus turn water into wine? And that's a good question. Let's, let's answer that. And here's what you need to understand. In the Bible, in fact, you're there in Proverbs, go, go to the book of Song of Solomon. Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Now look, did we not just read that there is a certain type of wine that God does not even want you to look at? He says, look not thou upon the wine. You say, any wine? No. When it is red, when it giveth us color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. You say, well, Jesus turned water into wine. Well, then here's what, then, then, then he must have done it be before it had gone to the point where it was fermented. And here's what you need to understand. In the Bible, the word wine is not always referring to alcohol. In the Bible, the word wine, when our King James Bible was translated in 1611, 
The word wine was used synonymously. In fact, I would submit to you that most of the times you see the word wine in Scripture, it is synonymous with the word juice. The word juice is used a few times in Scripture, but only a couple of times. But the often form of the word juice in our Bible is the word wine. Let me just prove it to you. Song of Solomon chapter 8, verse 2. Are you there? Song of Solomon chapter 8, verse 2. Notice what the Bible says. I would lead thee... And bring thee into my mother's house, who would instruct me, I would cause thee, I just want you to notice this phrase, to drink of the spiced wine, I want you to notice that word, wine, of the juice of my pomegranate. I want you to notice that here, these two words are used synonymously. And in scripture, God will often put two words that mean the same thing in the same sentence or in the same statement, just to be able to teach us what that word means or to be able to just have a better flow of sentence structure, to have great literature. Here, You don't have to turn here, but let me give you this example. Hebrews 1.1 says this, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. The word sundry and the word diverse mean the same thing. God just uses two synonymous words to make a point. And here he says that she's going to cause him to drink of the spiced wine of the juice of my pomegranate. Why? Because the wine is the juice. Go to Isaiah 65. If you're there in Song of Solomon, just the next book over, Isaiah 65. Let me give you another proof. And you know, if these modern Bible versions were actually interested in updating the language, they, they would change the story of Jesus turning water into wine to Jesus turning water into juice. Because that's what Jesus did. Because wine in the Bible is juice. And wine can also be alcohol. Let me just prove to you in another place in Scripture that it can be used. Juice. Isaiah 65, verse 8. Isaiah 65, 8. Thus saith the Lord, as the new wine is found in the new cluster, and one saith, destroy it not, for a blessing is in it, so will I do for my servant's sake that I may not destroy them all. just want you to notice that phrase. He says, as the new wine is found in the cluster. Now look, when a grape is still on the cluster, it's not fermented. It's still connected to, to the vine. We're not, we're not talking about a, a grape that has been crushed and has been fermented, but yet it's called new wine. Why? Because the word wine in the Bible is often just referring to juice. Now, sometimes it's referring to alcohol. You say, well, how will I know the difference if, when, when it's saying wine and when it's saying alcohol, you know, juice, and when it's referring to alcohol, how will I know the difference? Well, look, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to just read the scripture in context, and understand the Bible. Let me give you a hint. When Abraham wakes up in the morning, sees Jesus coming, you know, in the, an Old Testament figure with two angels, and he serves them wine, okay? He's not serving them alcohol in the morning. That would make them all a bunch of drunkards. You understand that? He's giving them juice. That's what they drank when they were celebrating. When It's like how oh, we drink soda or whatever, juice or whatever. You know, you say, well, how will I know when it's talking about alcohol? When it's talking about someone being raped as a result, that's alcohol. When it's telling you it's going to destroy your life, you're going you're to be stricken and not feel it, you're going to have woe and sorrow. When it's connected to this other word, strong drink, which is talking about mixing alcohol together, look, just read the context, it'll be real clear. 
when people are drinking wine in the morning and they're celebrating, it's probably juice. When they're drinking wine and it's telling us that they're vomiting all over themselves, it's alcohol. It's not that hard. But in the Bible, you need to understand, in the Bible, the word wine is used for both. Why? Because you had the grape juice, which was fine, but then when you allowed it to get fermented, that would be alcohol, which is why he said, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. Now look, you can't walk away from those verses, Song of Solomon 8.2, Isaiah 65.8, and not realize that the word wine is used synonymously in Scripture with the word juice. The new wine is found in the cluster. Drink of the spiced wine of the juice of my pomegranate. So let's talk about this question. Did Jesus turn water into wine? Well, let's look at the story and look at the context. Go to John chapter 2. Well, Jesus turned water into wine. How do you know that wasn't alcohol? Okay, well, let's look at it. John chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 2. John chapter 2 and verse 1. Notice the story. And the third day... There was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. So I want you to notice the context here is there's a, he, he gets invited. Jesus and his disciples get invited to a marriage. And the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto them, they have no wine. Now just skip down to verse 6 for the sake of time. He has a conversation there with Mary. But notice verse 6. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now, and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, meaning where it came from, but the servants which drew the water knew that it was Jesus who turned the water into wine, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when the men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. Why? Because the wine that Jesus made was way better than the wine that they had provided for the wedding. Here's what I want you to understand, though. You say, well, was it, was it juice or was it alcohol? Well, why don't you answer me this question? Why did they ask Jesus... To, to make water into wine. Because of the fact that they'd already drunk all the wine that they had provided for the wedding. I mean, look at verse 10 again. And saith unto him, Every man at the beginning does set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worth. See, they had this wedding, they had more people show up than they were expecting. They had a certain amount of wine, juice, that they had set aside for the wedding. The people had drunk all of it, and they needed more. They go to Jesus, and they say, Hey, can you make water into wine? He does the miracle of turning water into wine. It was his first miracle he, per he performed. They send it out, and then the governor says, Wow, this wine is way better than the stuff you served at first. Most of the time, they serve the good stuff first and then the stuff once men have well drunk. Here's the thing. If this was alcohol, you are you trying to get me to believe that at a wedding they provided alcohol? Everyone drank all of it to the point where the governor would say the men were well drunk. And then Jesus comes along and he, and he fills six water pots of stone with more alcohol? I mean, Jesus just brings six kegers to this drunken party where they've already drunk all the alcohol. 
Because that's what you would have to believe to believe that Jesus turned water into alcohol. Look, whether you believe that God prohibits alcohol or not, God would prohibit this. This would be a sin. If they, got, if they drank all the alcohol at the wedding, and then Jesus shows up with six kegs of alcohol, and you think, look, if they've already drank all that alcohol, you think this guy's going to be like, wow, this tastes a lot better than when we started. No, you know, if, he, if they drink that amount of alcohol, I know what they'd be doing because the Bible tells us they'd be staggering in their own vomit. So look, there's no way you can look at the story logically and believe that Jesus brought alcohol to this wedding. And when you realize the fact that the Bible used the word wine and juice synonymously, it becomes real clear that Jesus brought, he, he turned water into juice. He turned water into grape juice, which in the Bible is called wine. And look, that is so clear in Scripture. You can't walk away, and you can't walk away from all these other verses that tell you that wine and alcohol is going to destroy your life. Don't even look at it. I mean, we're told, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. But Jesus was looking at it and handing it out to people. He's just this bartender just giving it out. That's ridiculous. So look, God forbids drugs and alcohol for all. But in case you're not convinced, let me just take a couple of minutes and say this. God especially forbids drugs and alcohol for Christians. Revelation chapter 1. Go there quickly. We're almost done. Revelation chapter 1. We're going to look at three different passages. Revelation, Proverbs, and Leviticus. If you want to try to find those quickly. Revelation, last book in the Bible. Should be fairly easy to find. Revelation chapter 1. Then we're going to go to Proverbs 31. Then we're going to go to Leviticus 10. And we'll finish up. All right? Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. We've already proven that God forbids and prohibits alcohol for everyone. But let me just say this. You say, I don't know. I'm still not convinced. Okay, well, God especially forbids drugs and alcohol for Christians. You say, well, what, how, what's the basis there? Revelation 1.5. Notice what the Bible says. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's talking about the day you got saved. Notice what happened the day you got saved. Verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, the Bible says when you got saved, you became a king and a priest unto God and his father. You became a king and a priest. Now, here's what's interesting about that. God specifically forbids the drinking of alcohol for kings and priests. Go to Proverbs 31. Let me show it to you quickly. We'll be done. Proverbs 31, verse 1. Proverbs 31, verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. What my son, and what the son of my womb, and what the son of my vows. Now this is a mother speaking to her son, King Lemuel. He's a king here. Most people believe that this is Solomon. Verse 3. Notice what she says. Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Say, why? Lest they drink... And forget the law. Why? Because alcohol affects your judgment. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted, give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish. Remember that word perish from John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth in him should not, what? Perish. You know what the word perish means? It means to die and go to hell. So what does it mean to die or does it mean to go to hell? Well, when you die, you go to hell. Because if you believe in Jesus Christ, you're not going to die. 
So here's what she's saying. She's saying, it's not for you, my son. Why? Because you're a king. It's not for kings, Olamio. It's not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes to drink drink. Go ahead and give it to someone who's going to die and go to hell anyway. Go ahead and give it to someone whose, whose life is not worth living anyway. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, and wine unto those that be of heavy hearts. Look at verse 7. Let him drink and forget his poverty, and remember his misery no more. And obviously she's being sarcastic here, but you say, well, you know, is alcohol really prohibited for everybody? Well, when the Bible says when you got saved, you became a king and a priest unto God and his father, and it's not for king. Here's the message I've got for every young person sitting in this auditorium today, is that you are better than that. You're better than drugs. You're better than alcohol. You were made a king unto God. You're better than that. You don't need that. You don't need to go down that road. You're a king unto God. You're a priest unto God. Go to Leviticus chapter 10. We'll finish up right here. Leviticus chapter 10. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 8. Leviticus 10, 8 says this, And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Aaron, if you remember, was the high priest, was the first high priest. The sons of Aaron are the ones who became the priests. He says, do not drink wine. Say, so, oh, is he talking about juice? Nor strong drink. The context should tell you. Thou nor thy sons with thee. Talking about the priesthood. When you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. God says, you show up to work as a priest drunk, I'm going to kill you. I think that's a prohibition on drinking alcohol for priests. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. So you say, I don't know. Well, you know what? When you got saved, you were washed in the sins of his blood, and he has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. And whether you want to agree or believe that God prohibits drinking alcohol for everyone, you have to agree that God prohibits drinking alcohol for kings and for priests. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're a New Testament believer, that's what you are. And the message of that is this. You're better than that. You're better than that. You, don't, you can have a better life for yourself, for your wife, for your husband, for your children. You're better than that. God does not want you to live the life of a drunkard. And let me say this again. You're here this morning. You're struggling with drugs. You're struggling with alcohol. We love you. We want to help you. Part of helping you is hearing this sermon. You don't need a little pat on the back telling you, oh, you're just sick. No, it's not sick. It's sin. You need to confess it. You need to forsake it. We'll help you. We'll, we'll help you every step of the way. If you want help, we'll help you. But if you want to live in drunkenness, we'll throw you out. It's called tough love. But for those of you that have not gone down that road, you say, I, I, I'm not, I, I drink sometimes. Why? Why? Just quit it. Stop it. I never heard this. Okay, just say, you know what? From here on, I'm just, I, I didn't know that's what the Bible said. From here on. Because God has some peculiar teachings on the subject of drugs and alcohol. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. And Lord, we uh, just pray that you would help us, Lord, to be a church that is just fighting, fighting the war that drugs and alcohol wages on the lives of individuals. Lord, help us to lovingly, compassionately, but boldly proclaim the truth from your word. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be a peculiar people in every area of life, including the area of alcohol. Lord, help us to 
be able to learn this, to understand this. Maybe there's people here this morning that never heard this before. They need to just re-listen to the sermon, jot down some notes, go back and look at the verses in their context and make sure that they study this out, Lord, but help us to be a people that are loving you and walking right with you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray.